can I just start by saying I think we unintentionally made ourselves clickbait last week. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm sorry, but this has to be discussed. Last week's episode, which you may well have noticed from episode 100 onwards, I just choose like a random phrase because I'm the one who puts it on SoundCloud. I choose like a random phrase from what's been discussed. It's always a phrase that is said between either myself or James. And last week's phrase was happy ending. I did notice that. I thought it was an unusual choice. Now, most of our episodes will get between, you know, kind of on a good day, it's like in a 50-60. Last week's got over 100. I think it's because people have mistakenly clicked on the podcast thinking they're getting something else. Now, that's just my theory. I'm willing to listen to other ones, but maybe the content was just so good that people were like, hey, listen to this. But in reality, I think <laughs> people were misled. I apologize. Yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that, that we have accidentally misled <laughs> the masses i don't want to make this more weird but i have gone to check some of the stats for the listeners <laughs> of the last week <laughs> and we've the great majority for the first time in our existence the majority of listeners in a week is not the united kingdom oh really yeah wow the majority of our listeners this last week were based in the netherlands hey here we go that's absolutely bizarre <laughs> so wait, wait, hello, wait. Hello, everyone in the Netherlands who was clicking on something called Happy Endings completely <laughs> deliberately and were not misled whatsoever. Just to clarify, we had more listeners to the Seesaw Parade last week from the Netherlands than from the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twice as many. Twice as many. Twice as, as many. Yeah. That's incredible and also very sad. Yeah, and <laughs> third place comes the United States, as always. Oh, man. That's. That's an eye-opener. Gotta wonder what happened there. Does that mean from now on we have to continue calling our episodes kind of ambiguous titles that people might stumble upon if they're searching for uh, something else? No. I'm not comfortable with this. To be fair, we had a couple other ones like Trapdoor to Gunge, which I thought was kind of borderline. Well, yeah, but I don't think many people are going to click on that expecting... Maybe, maybe what's actually happened is everyone clicked on it because they thought it was the, like, the finale of the show. This is the <laughs> last ever episode. And here we are this week just to bring everyone back to the real world. Nope. <laughs> we keep going. Seesaw Parade, like an undead zombie, battles on. Yeah, Seesaw Parade, like any infection in 10 years' time. You know, after all the antibiotics start working. <laughs> Please operate episode 141. Everybody, welcome back to the Netherlands, our friends over there. If any of you have returned after accidentally stumbling onto the podcast last week, let us know. I used to know how to say things in Dutch because I have a Unipal who is out there. Hi, Pete, who will definitely not be listening to this. Uh, I did know some Dutch. I'm very sorry I don't anymore, but uh, the Netherlands is a lovely place and I will be hope- I'm actually hoping to go and visit. And we've always talked about taking the, the podcast there anyway. Yeah. And now that we've got connections, maybe we're a step closer. Exactly. I and mean, who knows? We, we may establish more now that we've got this new Dutch fan base. So, so welcome one and all. Uh, a quick shout out to some people who got in touch before we dive into the show. Um, Izzy has said she's actually started recommending the podcast. Very kind. Maybe this is the, the reason brave, we got... Brave life decision, that <laughs> Absolutely. is. Absolutely. She says, better give Philip J. Dixon a shout-out next episode, since he's not listened yet, and this is a reason for him uh, to do it. On Twitter, it says, follower of Jesus. 
and sports aficionado, and sometimes a medical student. So there we go. Why are we reading people's Twitter pages? I wanted to find out if he was Dutch. He's not Dutch. What does yours say, Colin? Can I, do you want me to read my Twitter bio to you? Yeah, please read the Twitter bio right now. This okay. is what we came to the podcast to do. Talk yeah. about ourselves. Right, okay. Mine says, senior reporter at Radio Clyde News, blockchain Braveheart. Oh <laughs> yeah, blockchain Braveheart. Formerly STV, CISO Parade, Gaelic, Motion Scoundrel, got a story, Colin.Stone at RadioClyde.com. Nice. That's a good that's a good bio. Solid, solid bio. And blockchain Braveheart will potentially be discussed in Just, in just Google weeks. it, everybody. Google it. Yeah, Google it, and hopefully you'll find nothing. James, what did yours say? Oh mine. Uh James McDonald at Fair Jim, please follow me. I never tweet, but maybe maybe one day I will. Maybe. Why am I here? <laughs> I'm one of those guys in Scotland's most not dull podcast. Hey, that's nice. I like that. I know. It okay. actually is a real big thing to, to claim that we are the least dull podcast in Scotland. So just saying, just saying, I'm throwing it out there. That is a bold claim to be making. Challengers, uh, please make yourselves known. We did also have a contribution from David who was uh, disagreeing with our lack of fuss over the whole Jack Whitehall casting thing. And I promise we'll, we'll get into the show after I discuss this. David wanted to say, um, yes, the character should not be in the description that, that Disney have given this first ever openly gay character. Um, but, in David's words, he says there's such a heavy subconscious bias to casting straight, attractive white people for these things that for a while we have to actively cast for equality until we eliminate that subconscious bias. Sure. Yeah. Positive, positive discrimination. That's the thing we are doing in the world right now and hopefully it works. But I'm never, I'm never going to say it's like the end goal is positive discrimination. It's a, it's a bandage. Until yeah. we heal a wound. He also said, this is not an ideal world, and also, I have lots of feelings. Sticky tongue face. Oh, We all have lots of feelings. Some of us have lots of feelings. Some of us have none at all. Have eroded over many years of <laughs> heartbreak and, and... And the media. And missed opportunities. Like getting paid in Bitcoin. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks, James. Okay, let's go on to the show. Episode 141. Let's start with Donald Trump and uh, what a 40 hours he has had. As of... Wednesday. As of Wednesday approaching midnight. So yeah. I, I would say it's it's one of the more newsworthy weeks to have the president on the show, starting with the fact that his ex-campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was found guilty of eight separate charges of well, varying degrees of fraud, yeah. tax evasion, oh boy. bank fraud, failing to disclose foreign accounts. Now, the jury at his trial in Virginia failed to reach a verdict on 10 other charges, and none of them were to do with Russia. Just a short time later, his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, who we've discussed That's before. Trump's former lawyer. Yeah, yeah, sorry, not, not Paul Manafort's former lawyer. Uh, Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, admitted to making hush money payments to two women uh, in relation to Mr. Trump and his inability to keep it in his pants, for, for want of a better phrase. Y- yeah, yeah, and his desire his desire to, to not be a loser of a certain election. Yeah, so Cohen pleaded guilty on Tuesday to violating financial laws during the 2016 presidential election by handling... Yeah, so that campaign financial laws. Yes, by handling the money for Mr. Trump's alleged lovers. And now, apparently, Cohen's ready to tell everything about Donald Trump that he knows. Now, the, the issue here is that Donald Trump says, no, the money did not come from my campaign, therefore it did not break electoral rules, it came from me, so therefore it's fine. And also he's totally thrown Michael Cohen under the bus on Twitter, but he does that every second day with various people. James, 
where do you even start with this? Is is this the beginning of the end, or is this just a, yet another speed bump which Donald Trump will steamroll right through? Well, I think the end began when Trump accidentally won won the election, uh, and this is another step in the journey, and it's a long journey because there is so much to trawl through. It's it's pretty pretty funny how almost everybody who's closely linked to his campaign and life thereafter is slowly being revealed as guilty in something or other. And all are willing to flip to get their sentences reduced. It's like Trump doesn't associate with the best people or something. Well, he tweeted that Paul Manafort was a brave man and his family had, had, uh, had stood by him and he was he was great. Whereas Michael Cohen, like, I think he said, if you want a good lawyer, don't hire him. Don't hire... Well, one, he's probably going to prison, so you can't hire him. But two, he's a bad lawyer and only bad, so silly people would, would uh, hire someone like that. This is just Trump again trying to say that everything is not his fault and everything if it was actually true is other people's fault but maybe it's not even actually true but it's definitely not trump's fault he continues to uh, go down the line of this is a witch hunt it's catching a whole lot of witches no very true and uh, a democrat spokesperson i can't remember who it was brought up this issue and he said the fact that donald trump is continuing to undermine the ongoing investigations by uh, Mueller and by you know all these various trials is worth kind of being brought up in the courts itself because he's yeah. essentially undermining the uh, undermining the judicial system. Yeah, I also think he's recently said he, he wouldn't be comfortable going under oath because of things that he says under oath might be used against him, which is an interesting statement to make. <laughs> so essentially, he'd uh, incriminate himself. Yeah, but that could be true because he tends to just lie over nothing at all. Just because he's a liar or because he's forgetting things and can't remember things but doesn't want to accept that he can't remember things so he lies about them. Who knows? Now, I know the impeachment uh, phrase has been bandied about for the last two years. Is this any, are we any closer to this following the events of the last two days? Every day. Every day we are closer to that to that day. And hopefully, I don't really know what the rules are with things like going beyond impeachment, but I think the point of everything taking so long right now is their evidence gathering to take down yeah. everything they can and everyone they can and give them the maximum punishment that they can. Uh, at the end of this, you never know, maybe the Trump name won't be something to have on a building that you want to have people walk into. Well, th- there's two things to this. I think the impeachment argument, I was listening to uh, somebody much smarter than I and who knows much more about the political system talking about this and saying with the midterms coming up, then... If the Democrats take control of the House, then that could make it more likely, but it's still some way off. And I don't think, I think Nancy Pelosi, um, who if I is in a senior position in the Democrats, again, I can't remember what her exact title is, but she has basically said, not right now, maybe somewhere down the line, but not just now. Yeah, because they're still investigating. I mean, they can start the process maybe before they're done investigating, but I, I don't really understand what exactly they need to, to get it done. And... If there is extensive corruption and illegality, maybe it takes longer than if there's just like one or two things. You never know, because it's not really been done a whole lot. We don't have a lot of basis for it. Okay, right, let's move on to James Bond. The main news in the world of movies this week was that Bond 25, which is meant to be coming out in just over a year, has now lost its director. Danny Boyle has stepped away from the project due to creative differences. James... We were uh, kind of apathetic about Danny Boyle's selection back when it was announced a few months ago. Are you entirely surprised about this? And also, what do you think the creative differences might have been, if you're going to speculate? 
I'm quite surprised about it because I wasn't expecting, as with every big film that's coming out recently, I don't think the director matters so long as they're willing to just do what production, what the, sorry, what the studio says. Um, So I didn't expect Danny Boyle to be someone to have a film in mind that he wasn't willing to bend on, but he apparently... He apparently did have some vision that has not g- gone down well with the studio. Uh, potentially it's something like trying to ground the character because he's he's a character guy. And maybe he was, to, to make James Bond an understandable and grounded character, you'd have to go a bit too dark and a bit too difficult for audiences. Okay. Uh, or maybe he wanted a lot of split screen and stuff like that because he does that in some of his films and that would feel a bit too much like 24 instead of Bond. So... You know that would be that would be confusing for us pure little audience members. Tr- that's that's very true. One of the more recent films I've saw uh, I've seen from Danny Boyle was Trance, which I don't know if you saw. That's James McAvoy and Rosario Dawson. It does use kind of slightly more unusual cinematic techniques. It's not a great film, but it's by no means like you. If you were going to shoot it in that Danny Boyle style. It would not feel like a James Bond film. It would just feel like, a, what on earth is this? Why is this being yeah. shot super close up and all terrible? I think when we were initially talking about it, we spoke like he didn't have a style. But I think he does. It's just very, yeah. it's very TV-esque. It is, it, absolutely. Yeah. And when I think about Trance and I think about Slumdog Millionaire, there are similarities in the way they've been shot. They are almost like TV movies. Yeah, Close-ups, panning. Yes, yes. And that, you know, something like James Bond has huge landscapes and lovely, like, vast shots and all that, whereas something like Trance is based on, like, the faces and the upper body. It's very, very different to anything you'd see in in James Bond. Which can lead to a very good character-driven story, which possibly doesn't suit the James Bond franchise. Right, so what's what's next then? First of all, this is meant to be Daniel Craig's last outing, and it's meant to be coming out October next year. Is this... Just bring him on as director as well. <laughs> Daniel Craig, director and star. Is this going to happen for next October? And also, do you have anyone in mind who you think could step up instead? Uh, it could still happen for next October, depending on if they've got a script and stuff like that written. Because I don't... Well, maybe they need a lot of post-production these days. But you could go post-production light and get all the shooting done pretty fast if you've got a simple enough script. Uh, I don't really know who could take over because you just have to find any one of the many jigsaw directors who will do that's jigsaw as in like a jigsaw piece of yeah that is all but like, like that's a bad idea because jigsaw pieces are all different cookie cutter directors um who will just do what you say of which there are many right now apparently i think almost all directors uh, are just doing that just listening to studio and doing whatever they want well the main thing i would say is the talk before bond 25 was that they were looking to get denny villeneuve who is probably my favorite director going right now I do like him. And he would have been fantastic, but he basically said, no, I'm making June, so sorry, I'm off. Yeah. Which I'm sure will be great, but it means that you know Bond very much has this gaping hole of oh. who are we actually going to get to direct this? Because other than, than Villeneuve, who I think was the only real standout candidate, who else is there? Benicio Del Toro. He's not a director. You make, make a great bad guy. Do you mean Guillermo Del Toro, uh, maybe? No, um, Vin Diesel. Okay, right. Okay, moving on. James, Outlaw King. Now, I would like to talk about this. This is the first trailer for Chris Pine from Star Trek fame as Robert the Bruce. It's coming to Netflix uh, in the next couple of months. It's debuting at the Toronto uh, Film Festival, so not uh, you know, pretty big stage for a debut like that. It's Chris Pine doing a Scottish accent. Let's have a listen to this. 
In good fight for God, for country, for family. I do not care. So long as you fight. Okay, so you've also got Aaron Taylor Johnson in this film, by the way. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think this is basically, uh, I don't know, following or chronicling Robert the Bruce's journey to be an outlaw king. Well, yeah. James. Like, once he'd rebelled already. What did you make of this? And what did you make of the accent? Hard to pick up an accent, to be honest with you here. I'm not sure where they're going for with it. Uh, but I do like Pine, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if I can hear an accent in the real film. But quite a lot of this just seemed like very like the accent seemed British and or and or somewhere. It was also the way he was like being very softly spoken. Well, which in a way was almost trying to mask the fact that he's doing a Scottish accent, which he probably wasn't that comfortable. Well, maybe with. the idea is that they're the high lordy types again. They're they're not like the lowland Scots with the harsh accents. They're the posh ones, upper class Scots with the. That's true. Yeah, so maybe that's actually accurate, and we should be listening to all the soldiers for the Scottish accents. But the film itself looked pretty, pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way it looks. I like the fact that about Robert De Bruce. He is a better character than Wallace in many a way. Uh, an interesting guy who won some very um, improbable victories. So this could be a very good film. Uh, it might have some politics in there. You never know. Two takeaways from this for me, one of which was Aaron Taylor Johnson's wig, which looked terrible. Mm, yeah. Literally like one of those ones you see in like a Muppets film, which is clearly just being glued to the actor's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no real effort has been made to actually make it look like it's part of his brain. But you never know, maybe his character <laughs> in the film wears a wig. Well, maybe, maybe, James. The other one was, I did like the look of the trailer, but it reminded me of the ill-fated Robin Hood from 2010 with Russell Crowe, oh, kind of like which Robin, the trailer yeah. looked amazing. and had that very kind of gothic, dark feel, kind of gritty, almost like Dark Knight-esque to it. And I really liked the trailer, but then the film itself was terrible. And yeah. I just hope it's not like that. I mean, the trailer does look good, but... Uh, well, Robert the Bruce, I believe, historically, is a more fleshed-out character than, than Robin Hood. Robin Hood's thing is just kind of like rubbing And also people. Russell Crowe was playing him like a moody teenager. Yeah, and Russell Crowe, he's a funny, he's a funny one. Sometimes he delivers and sometimes he just phones it in. Whereas Chris Pine, okay. I think he does a pretty good job of what he does. So yeah. I've still got my fingers crossed. It's nice to see a film set in Scotland, you know, that's not about people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol. <laughs> they filmed a lot of it in Scotland and most of it in Scotland, I think, as well. Yeah, including some of Glasgow Cathedral, which is literally just over the road from me. And yeah. I didn't see Chris. I didn't even. We did. Could have interviewed Chris Pine. We could have had him on the show. Out. Oh man, imagine man. The, the, the viewers they could have gotten by giving us a feature. Okay, the Dutchies would have been back for more. This is a Netflix thing. Is it getting any? Is it getting any actual screenings? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I'm talking off Netflix films, which may not ever see the light of a cinema. The new film from Alfonso Cuaron. This is the second of our two trailers for this week. The new film, now, the name may not ring many bells. Alfonso Cuaron is the director of Gravity, which was the Sandra Bullock film, which won lots of Oscars and everybody likes a lot. Despite the fact that it, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, if you're according to space rules, it made very little sense. But if you, like me, don't really care about that and like good films, it was a good film. I think it was more accurate to space rules than the internet believed as well. It was somewhere between bad and good on that front. Okay, anyway, his new film is called Roma, and 
despite the, yeah the typeface for the the font for the the title yeah i don't like it it's like it's like a slightly worse version of comic sans well it's just it's very boring and then their r's got like a thicker typeface a thicker weight so it looks like it's a bold r so it's like roma <laughs> roma okay anyway let's uh actually there's no point playing the trailer because it's it's just music it's just music, but you okay. know, that's okay. The music's very nice. I'm wondering if it's a real thing I can listen to with my ears right now, or if I have to watch the trailer to hear it again. I'm going to visually describe it very briefly. It's essentially a montage. The film's black and white. It's set in Mexico City, and the trailer is essentially just a montage of kind of the highs and lows and the hard times and the good times and the city of Mexico yeah. City. So this isn't a football film? No, it's not about AS Roma, no. It's, I, I'm presuming, about the Roma community in Mexico. Yeah. And a now, troubled time that they experienced. What did you make of, of the of this trailer then? The trailer looked good. Cinematography looks on point. Shots look nice. I can't really tell you much about the acting, but their faces looked convincing. I am going to complain <laughs> a wee bit about the lack of contrast in some scenes for a black and white film. When you shoot in black and white, you need to up the contrast for things to be easily distinguished. And yeah. I think that's not quite done. Maybe they're still working on that. Maybe they're not. Okay, I'll keep mine brief. Uh, I'm guess I, I would say I'm one of these maybe more simpler cinema viewers who, as much as I have enjoyed some of the kind of uh, I don't know more obscure independent Oscar winners over the last few years, I'm not a big fan of art house films. And I, I mean, compare this to Gravity; it's like night and day. This is no, this is not going to be some sort of thriller when you're like, oh, this is going to make hundreds of millions at the box office. No, it's not. Which is why Netflix probably have the rights and or I don't know if they, what they're going to do with it in terms of releasing it in the cinemas, but I highly doubt it. I think they're doing a limited release, trying to get Oscars with a limited release situation thing. So if, if they show it on a few few screens in major cities and stuff like that to try and get some money, yeah. then they can actually get an Oscar. Whereas if they just showed it on the old Netflix, they probably can't. And the, the thing is, like, yeah, the trailer looks lovely, but it just didn't grab me at all. And maybe that's because I'm not the target audience. I'm sure it'll be a great I film. Think it looks, I think it looks good, yeah. Okay, right, anyway, let's move on. Maybe I am the target audience. You know, I've got feelings. And IQ. I've got an IQ of at least 100. Yeah, the fact that I said and IQ doesn't even make sense. Anyway, let's move on to some actual uh, TV news. Treadstone, which is a phrase I never thought I'd say, or a word I never thought I'd say on the podcast. Um, a spin-off is being made from the fictional bad guy training facility from the Bourne films about 15 years ago. Yeah. That's probably the best description I can give. So with yeah. Jason Bourne, he was like, he started at Treadstone, and it was like a secret facility and a secret program, and now it's been given a full TV series. They're skipping the pilot. Yeah, they're not even going That's to do That's how confident season. they are with it. They think it's great. Which is unheard of, I think. Well, I mean, not, not unheard of, but certainly unusual. So either they think it's great or Amazon's done its usual thing and seen a film title and a TV series <laughs> and gone, oh, I'll buy that. People will love it. It's from a film. Like it is, you know, with Taken. Oh, yeah. It's a TV series for that. That seems unusual. Like, they'll do it for most things. So if you actually out there, if any aspiring scriptwriters can get your hands on the TV rights to any film ever... Sell it to Amazon, they'll buy. Well, my question then is, why, I know you've seen you know, Amazon are keen to kind of elbow their way into this sort of, you know, high caliber TV production, but they've, they're literally on the verge of launching their new Jack Ryan TV series with John Krasinski from The Office. Oh yeah. Like this is, what, maybe the fourth or fifth adaptation of Jack Ryan? Full series, second season already greenlit. 
You've mentioned the Taken series. Why do we need a trade a, a Treadstone series? Like we've already got the enough white guys shooting bad guy programs on TV on Amazon already. You say white guys shooting bad guys. White guys shooting uh, bad guy. Could I just making sure I heard all the words correctly there? Uh, yeah, we've got <laughs> enough of those. Um, I don't think we've got many. Hey, CIA esque American organizations brainwashing people to become the ultimate weapons. You know, I don't think this it's TV worthy. Maybe it will be. Maybe we're, maybe we're going to have a TV series that is following a whole bunch of bad guys doing bad things, and that's that's relatively new. We don't get to see that often. It's not going to be on the scale of the Lord of the Rings, the TV series, but you know, it could be pretty good. Could be pretty big. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I I I, I like having my hopes up these days because it makes my life more exciting. That's what I've learned. Having your hopes, having your hopes never up and just your guard up instead, things get quite boring. True, but also I would just like to see Amazon do something different and not just, I mean, I know they'd be like, oh, no, no, but Treadstone's going to be so different to Jack Ryan, which is already super different to Taken. Yeah. They're all well, the same. They've got they've got difference out there. They, they did, but they're on the same ballpark. Well, they did Mr. Robot, which is about hackers with <laughs> okay, a Z. Yeah, exactly. They, but they're they not doing Black, like... They did like Black Sails, which is a pirate series. I know, but they're not doing like, uh, oh, here's Mr. Robot. Here's another one called Blockchain Braveheart. It's about someone else who's hacking into cryptocurrency. <gasps> Let's sell it to them. Let's sell it to them. A, a TV series exploring <sighs> the life of someone who all of a sudden out of nowhere has offered a job. Uh, presenting a, a, a TV series about okay. a TV, about about cryptocurrencies. James, enough. Let's move on. The hijinks that would ensue. Netflix have ordered a second series of one of the uh, one of my more favorite shows of uh, <laughs> one of my more favorite. I don't know what's happened to my words today. I'm very sorry. One of my favorite shows. <laughs> my favorite shows from earlier in the year. End of the F star star starring world. A Channel 4 original. Channel 4 original, which Netflix then nabbed. And now the two of them have, Acquired and now, have yeah. come together and said, hey, let's make a second series, which will joined, joined which will show on Channel 4 first here, but will be on Netflix yeah. everywhere else. And then we'll go on Netflix here. James, I really liked the first season. I never saw it. It was nice and... Okay, well, I would, I would recommend it because there's only eight episodes and they're 20 minutes long. Yeah, I remember that. So I would watch it and I did really like it, but... I thought it was fine like the way it is. I thought as a self-contained story and with the ending as, it was fine. You don't need a second season. So what you what you'd say is it feels like it's complete. Yes, exactly. It does, and extending it is just extending it for the sake of doing it. Imagine trying to make money by keeping a franchise going. It's not even a franchise. It's just two like English actors. Oh, sorry. Imagine a great time. trying to make money by taking a thing and making it into a franchise. Right, so you can understand Netflix renewing something even though it did not need a second season. It's just a trend right now. Everyone's buying everything that is finished, whether it was finished last year or 40 years ago and is making making new versions of it or making sequels to it. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And in this case, if you're saying it felt like it was finished, it's going to be difficult to make it good. Okay. But I do like that Netflix seems to be buying a lot of Channel 4 stuff and then investing money into it. So they got they already have Black Mirror going and they did a good job of that. They did. Apparently, apparently there's Utopia getting remade really? by Netflix. Yeah. Oh. And I loved Utopia. I didn't see it, it. And then it got cancelled. Okay. Right, well let's move on. Um time is escaping us some quick Marvel news because we'd be Seesaw Parade if we didn't have some Marvel news. Let's talk about DC. Oh wait. They've released no news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The news this week is that Benedict Cumberbatch has been reportedly offered ten million dollars to do a sequel for Doctor Strange 2, 
so that Marvel can skip Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Hold on. A sequel to Doctor Strange? Yes. Or Doctor Strange 2? Because that's a different sentence. Is, is that what I said? Yes. Okay, let's try that again. A sequel to Doctor Strange, which would be Doctor Strange 2. Yes. Uh, to skip... So that Marvel can skip Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, 3 for the get, time being. They, yeah, they get a block in their calendar, so they don't have to worry about that half of a year. Yeah, yeah. So that would mean that Doctor Strange, which I did quite enjoy, and did it have... Pa- it was passable. It was had enough enough kind of loose threads at the end of the first one to be like, okay, oh, this, yeah. there's a sequel. But nobody at any point had said, yes, this sequel is happening. Not even Marvel had confirmed it. Well, yeah, but they put so many hints into the sequel, there's no way they weren't going to do it. Right, okay, so, you, so you're not surprised by this then? No, they, they, left, they left a plot line from the first film completely open. In fact, they reopened it in the, as the last scenes of the film. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you're not you're not surprised at all then? Well, I'm surprised that they're choosing to make it right now for more money to to put uh to put in their calendar so they don't have to worry about Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a surprising part. Ten million seems like a decent amount, you know. Congrats to Benedict. Um sorry for all the Sherlock fans out there, he might not be available for the near future. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It doesn't mean that Sherlock may be done and for at least. But a you know few what? Years. He wanted a season five anyway. Okay, well the writing went downhill after season one. We'll get to Sherlock the film very shortly, but hey. just before we move on, uh, and also just for my tuppence worth, I do think <laughs> Doctor Strange 2, because I did enjoy the first one, the sequel, okay, fair enough, Marvel hadn't talked about it, and they haven't confirmed this yet, this is all just rumour, but it does make sense to me that they can be like, right, let's not panic about third Guardians film, let's just do yeah. Doctor Strange 2, because well, at least with the director, we're, we're not in danger of you know, having the cast refuse to work. And it fills in the Guardians hole relatively well. You don't have the ensemble cast being all funny with each other. You got a wee bit of that, but you've got the filling in of instead of everything being grey, brown, and exploding, the option of adding color to a film. That yeah. seems to be that seems to be a good thing in my book. Is having a film with colors in it. Doctor Strange lets that happen. Before we wrap up, Avengers Four has been rumored to be called Avengers Endgame. Which not en- not Ender's Game, not Ender's Game. No, that film was bad. End Game, which actually was a phrase used in Infinity War. <gasps> this is just a rumor for now. The other rumor is that it might be called Avengers Forever, kind of like Wakanda Forever. Oh, either of those tickling your fancy? The Avengers Forever definitely isn't. Uh, <laughs> Avengers End Game is just like brown and grey, but not exploding. It's very boring. <laughs> Uh, so both of those probably wouldn't be my choices, but I don't really know what I'd choose because, let's be honest here, it's not going to be revolutionary. Kind of like how Infinity War really wasn't. This is going to be not revolutionary. I liked Infinity War. I liked it. I loved it. It was a good film. I enjoyed a lot. It but wasn't revolution. revolutionary. Okay, fine. fine, fine. I'll take that. Okay, let's move on very quickly. Sherlock Holmes 3. We've talked about this before, but now Robert Downey Jr. has been tweeting things about getting his Sherlock face back on. Uh, basically all but confirming a third film's coming nine yeah. years after the last one. They were fun. I'm happy. Good on the guy. I wonder how much money he's going to get for that, though. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to get a lot. And yeah. Uh, yeah, talking of I wonder how much money he made, he was actually on the top 10 highest paying actors for last year. Thanks for mentioning, oh, James. Congratulations. Which has actually segued us magnificently onto the final kind of movie news for this week. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Entirely deliberate. I'm a smart man. <laughs> he has doubled... The amount of money he made as an actor from 2016 to 2017, uh, raking in about $119 million, which is ridiculous. What do you even do with that money? 
invest it wisely. In Bitcoin? In Bitcoin and other <laughs> other cryptocurrencies that are definitely not going to collapse. Okay, George Clooney came top of the list. I got, no, I got, yeah, George Clooney top. I want to ask you which names are surprising you on this list. Well, well, George Clooney surprises me because I'm pretty sure he only did like one film last year. And it turns out the, the reason he's top is because he sold his drinks business to Diageo. Yeah, they're calling it world's best paid male actors, but that doesn't mean actors that made the most money from their acting careers. Yeah, exactly. So George Clooney made money from investing his, his his previous money wisely, which you know, well done on the guy. I don't know how Adam Sandler made money. That's that's the one that I was I would pick in the top ten of the ones that surprised me. Adam Sandler. This is not like two thousand and two. This is twenty eighteen. He's still in the top ten. Yeah, congrats to him. I don't know why he made this year or last year. I think he Netflix. It's just Netflix stuff. Yeah, it's those terrible films like the Ridiculous Six. Like really so awful stuff. Guy. Netflix gave you a lot of their money that they got from their investors. Well done. On the women's list, Scarlett Johansson came now, top. One of the many not surprises is that the top earner, Scarlett Johansson, or would have made seventh equal on the on the men's list. And the bottom earner wouldn't have wouldn't have even come close. So the bottom earner is actually Gal Gadot with ten million. Congrats to her. Well done. That's a lot of money. But she's uh, she's still making less than the likes of Melissa McCarthy and Mila Kunis. <laughs> Mila Kunis, yeah. Was she in a film last year? She's in a brand new one called The, S- the Spy Who Dumped Me, which looks terrible. Wow, so, yeah. And she was also in Bad Mums 2. Ah, Bad Mums. A classic. Great, Great film. I'm glad they okay. made a sequel to that. Moving on. James, yes. have you seen anything this week? I've started watching a couple of things, so maybe we'll talk about them when I finish them. But don't worry, everybody. I am consuming the media. Nice. Okay, I'm going to talk about Luke Cage for the final time. I know it's been Thus like a four or five week run. The happy ending to a to a se- to a series long event that is us talking about Luke Cage. Okay, I know you'll all be sick of this, but I finally finished season two. James, I'll just sum it up for you. I enjoyed the season. I like the way they've left it, but there are so many decisions and so many parts of that series <laughs> which frustrated me beyond belief. <laughs> yes. Starting namely with the fact that, I'm not going to spoil this, but the the position that Luke Cage ends himself in at the end of season two, at no point is that like choreographed or you can see him heading that way. And it just wasn't, it just does not make sense that he'd... I'm not going to give you that. No, no, I, no, I just, I completely disagree. He has not been going towards that at all. I... I don't think I don't think it had shown us that like he was going towards the steps he took to get there, but I think it was foreshadowed. And the way he, uh, and again, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but the way he dealt with the mention of Claire at the the closing episode again, <laughs> I don't think was fair. I don't think that reflects the character or the journey he went on. Yeah, no, there was a lot of there was a lot of for for a series that was overly long. They still didn't manage to make everything feel like it was earned. And the only, the only other, there's, I mean, I could go on and on, but the only other major point I would have would be the way the Bushmaster was written out of the show with such a whimper. Like, considering how much chaos he caused for Luke Cage in the first, like, ten episodes, the last two episodes, like, at the end, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to spoil this, but the way he exited the show was so pathetic. Yeah, kind of. But, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was poetic too. He did, he did what he, he did what he wanted. No, but it, okay, fine. 
and yes, I agree. They did obviously rewrite. They obviously wrote the show backwards and figured out. Yeah, they had everyone's endpoints in mind from <laughs> from the first thing they had. They, they and also knew. Mariah's daughter's storyline. Oh, don't even get me started. It's fine, right? The show. I enjoyed the show, <laughs> but when I, but when I think about it too much, it annoys me. Moving on. Yes, you you have to have your non-critical hat on to enjoy. Yeah, this g- show. goodbye, Luke Cage. Hopefully, you do not get a season three made, but that's going to happen anyway. The oh. only other thing I've seen this week, after several weeks of waiting, Mission Impossible Fallout. <gasps> it is brilliant. It's <gasps> actually really, really good. Now, I am a big fan of Mission Impossible. Rogue Nation, in particular, I thought was a step up from Ghost Protocol, which was in itself a very good action movie. This one, it was, yeah. I'd say, has kind of maybe a little less on the kind of quippy side, Ooh. a little more on the kind of dark side, and actually is the better for it. Yeah, I'm for that. I thought the trailer was like more quippy than the other films, and I was sad about that. Yeah, you know, like that. Likewise, like some of the trailers are like, "Oh, this doesn't look so good," but actually, it's one of the only few moments of kind of levity. And the thing is, the film doesn't really need them, but it does help. The fact is, the performances are excellent. Henry Cavill, despite the amount of stick we gave him for reloading his arms, yeah, and the internet also <laughs> did notice that one. And there's been a lot of a lot of hilarity. <laughs> He is very, very good in this. He's very well cast. Uh, again, some plot points which I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take you to task with that one. But ultimately, it's Mission Impossible, which, again, is a complete oxymoron because he never it's never an impossible mission. He always does it. But in terms thanks, of an action thanks, film... Thanks, Dad. That was insightful, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. But as a film, it's brilliant. Had a great time. Really enjoyed it. Would highly recommend. So anyone out there who hasn't seen it, apart from me, there you go. If you have, how would you how would you stop yourself now after receiving such high endorsement? Okay, time to wrap up with some international news. Let's just go first to the UK. It turns out minimum wage. Oh no no no! Save the UK for last. There's a brilliant segue. Okay, uh, so should we go to China first? Yeah, let's go to China first. And I've set up the segue so hard now, it's going to be bad. Okay, right. Uh, a brief roundup of some international news, which um, again, I know we talk about how the media should be covering it more, but should we take that on our advice ourselves? Anyway, the UN yeah. says it has credible reports. That China is holding one million Uyghurs in secret camps. Now, Uyghurs are essentially a sect of Muslims yeah. in the Xinjiang region. Uh, sorry, the Xinjiang region, the northeast. You're being kept in political camps, essentially, in China. The UN yeah. say, "Yep, this is happening," and the rest yeah. of the world shrugged their shoulders. Yeah, they kind of live across the desert from the majority of of China. They, they, there's a there's a huge separatist movement within that population because, you know, they used to be independent until China ate them and Russia ate them back in the day, or rather the USSR ate them. Uh, and, you know, China, well known for keeping all its people free and allowing f- all the freedoms ever and liberty. They love liberty. Uh, it's opposite day. They're, they're keeping these people um, free in cages. Uh, within a, a con- con- confined area. Again, though, like we, we've we've talked about this so many times, that like the UN's condemned this, and the UN's confirmed that this is terrible things happening in Myanmar, and the yeah. rest of the world just kind of goes, "Shut up, UN, we don't care." Go, let oh, the, let okay, the rest yeah. of us get on with our world stuff of making yeah. money. Or the leaders of said countries go, "Oh no, we're not doing that," and everyone goes, "Oh, the the leaders said they weren't <laughs> doing it, so they must not be doing it." Because no one said anything. There, by my account, I mean, I'm sure there have been, been a few foreign ministers who've had some stern words on Twitter, but that's basically been it. Yeah, but what do you do? Your governments are never going to sanction them because we, we depend on them for our stuff. 
like no one like if we stopped buying the things and we stopped paying our debts the com- the country would collapse but we'd be you know starving a whole country basically because the regime isn't going to change its views until the, everyone else is dead okay um james before we get onto the segue do you want to segue onto the next one wow um from governments that are keep everyone free and at liberty to governments that keep everyone free and at liberty let's talk about south africa <laughs> Uh, and the fact that South Africa really so- shockingly and surprisingly in the higher rings of government has uh, higher rings. That's, I'm going to use the word rings here. The higher rungs of government has, has pedophile rings and yeah. are silencing the spread of this information. This, this story really does require some extra reading. But essentially what's happened is a former police officer, Mark Minnie, just a week after he revealed these details about uh, an alleged paedophile ring in oh, yeah. the... After he revealed more details. Okay, sorry. More details about the uh, paedophile ring in the government uh, that portrayed itself, obviously, as, as kind of nice and upstanding Christian men. He's now Wait, been found back, dead. Yeah, back when it was a bunch of, like, Christian white rulers and they, they looked down on the black population. Back in those days, run by the good white Christian men. Yeah, he's, he's now been found dead, uh, which the police say was a self-inflicted bullet wound but people are refusing to believe that. It does seem to be an awful no, coincidence Colin, to me. There was, a, there was a suicide note and no one ever writes those unless they want to do it themselves. And it was someone else's gun. And everyone knows that when you shoot yourself, you want to do it with someone else's gun. This is very sad. But again, it's something which the rest of the world has looked at and be like, it's South Africa, we don't care. Yeah, so this isn't, this, this, the whole thing isn't news. There's been people disappearing with links to this in the past. I don't think it's ever been on the investigatory side, but some of the people that were getting investigated and were willing to come out of information have suddenly died uh, in the past. Um, and now we've got one of the ex-investigators who was, who was home to promote the book or something like that, died while he was there. I'm not quite sure in the whole story because my extra reading has gone out of my brain because I'm sick and tired. Um, but, you know, it's a government silencing the spread of information that's bad for the government. Imagine. Imagine. James, last but not least, segue oh, us. Yeah. So fr- from governments who definitely do not have, like, pedophiles at top level to governments that definitely do not have pedophiles at top level under silencing the spread of this information, let's talk about the UK. Hey, um, nice. Well, not nice. This is not nice at all. But unrelated to <laughs> the, the, British, the British government's historic and probably present problems with silencing the fact that there has been pedophiles at the top rungs of yep. uh, governing this nation. Uh, at the bottom rungs, it turns out that if you are a family and both of the people who are well, the partners who are at the top of the family are earning minimum wage, they probably can't afford to give you nice things. That was distinct, right? I'm not forgetting how to speak right now. No, 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 not at all. Basically, the fact that the minimum wage has been found... To be unsustainable for your what? average family. Is this, wait, sorry, I might have written this bad. Make sure it's minimum wage and not living wage. It's a, no, it's the minimum wage. Yeah, you're right. Or the living wage. But either way, it's whatever one is supposed to be enough money to survive on, you know, for but people. But this is news to nobody. Like, everybody knows this is not remotely sustainable for a living. Yeah, no, imagine that everyone, everyone who's experienced this for years and years and years now of living wages remaining low and prices getting higher and higher. We've studied it now. There's an actual study that says it's true as well. Does the government care? No. Will they care? Probably no. no. Let's be honest here. Poor people being poor, they, they, they don't seem to care. They'll just say, oh, well, if poor people can't afford to raise families, then they shouldn't raise families. Because, you know, all fa- all families are 
deliberate, you know, and everyone's really good at planning, you know, for these things. It's not like we should be encouraging people to have families and increase the population of the country to have a workforce that can sustain a retired population at all. You know, it's fine. Do you think if we got paid for the show, we'd be on minimum wage? Do you think we'd be on like mega bucks? Colin, <laughs> your, your sentence begins with an impossibility. What? We're never going to get paid for this show. You never know. <laughs> Might get one of these like investors. Yeah, actually, if anyone out there is looking to invest in an up and coming, definitely quite new podcast um, <laughs> with a growing audience, the growing catalog. I can show you, I can show you a graph uh, of the audience growth. We we we're a multinational audience as well. And uh, a growing graph of how many how many minutes people stick around for. Yeah, yeah. We can Once see. You realize that I am again taking a lot of pain meds and maybe aren't coherent amant coherent they stop listening much sooner than now so there you go and investors if that's not an advertisement for giving us money i don't know what it is right i'm gonna stop listening james it's time to go time for you to get better time for me to go cough a whole lot hey okay thanks very much we'll see you and the rest of you including the duchies yeah next week and goodbye uk goodbye south africa goodbye china and our fans in the netherlands